Well, good morning again, Central. I'm excited to share God's word with you this morning. As Reggie just mentioned, we've been in a joyful series where we really have been going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. We've seen Paul really talk about the joy that he has in Jesus. And it's been really encouraging thinking that Paul wrote this while in prison, you know, while suffering some persecution for his faith, yet he continues to find joy in Jesus. I'm excited to, in a minute, dive into chapter three to kind of continue where Pastor Gilmer started us last week um, as Paul just continues on this theme of joy. So as I was prepping for this week, I was thinking through how I would start. And, um, you know, I find myself throughout the day checking social media. Okay, so, some of us, maybe we use social media more than others. Some of you are disciplined. Some of you don't even have the apps on your phone. Praise God for that. Some of you, probably every 15 to 20 minutes of your day is documented on social media. Okay, your, your Instagram story, your Twitter feed, your Snapchat, all of those kinds of things, you're constantly updating everything that you might be doing. In the statuses that you post, there might be some hashtags that you use. So for those of you who are maybe not social media savvy, a hashtag is something you typically put at the end of a sentence, kind of really summarizes what you're talking about. So, you know, I might post something and say, man, did you guys see that the Phillies lost in the World Series? Maybe that they blew it. And I might say, hashtag too soon. Like maybe it was too soon to talk about that, right? One hashtag that became very popular a few years ago that many people still even use today, hashtag goals. Okay, hashtag goals, a couple might be out on a date, they might take a picture of that date and they might put hashtag relationship goals. Someone might buy a new outfit, new pair of shoes, take a picture of it, put it online, and then I put hashtag fashion goals. See, all of us have had some goals that we've liked to see become reality at some point. Maybe right now you're college, young adult kind of age, kind of stage of life, and maybe you have this goal of like, man, I would love to be done with student debt. I'd love to pay it off and just be done with it. I would love to have my dream job. I would love to buy the car, the house I really want. Man, maybe you have goals for your family, for your friends. Maybe you have all sorts of goals for your life. See, I, I remember as I was approaching college graduation, um, I have a really good friend and um, we had talked about this goal that we had for the summer after college graduation. We were gonna get a group of guys and in over a few months, our goal was going to see a baseball game in all 30 major league stadiums. We'll get an RV. We'll travel the country. We'll make it happen like the bucket list thing that people talk about. See, some people think bigger. Some people are like, man, I'm gonna go backpack through the Swiss Alps. I'm going to Rome, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm doing all of these great things. We wanted to see every major league baseball stadium there was in the span of a summer. See. It was a goal, it's really more of a wish. And I even remember one of my really good friends, we were groomsmen in each other's weddings, that as this summer approached, he met a girl. Things, you know, sped up a little bit. They got engaged and man, they set their wedding like right in the middle of the summer that we were supposed to do this trip. And um, 
I don't think I'm selfish. I don't think I'm selfish, but I remember saying to him like, man, doesn't this wedding sound more like a fall thing? Like in November, there are no baseball games. Like everyone could win. Like I could win, you could win, she could win. Um, I did not know that his fiance now wife was in the room. Um, she did not feel as optimistic about my plan as I did. She did not consider that a win. She didn't think it was a great idea. See, that, that goal, um, I would say, has now shifted to a bucket list that now I tell people, man, before, before I die, I would love to see a baseball game in all 30 major league stadiums. See, many of us, we have goals this morning. We have goals for what we want our, our marriages, our families to be. We have goals for what we wanna see happen in our schools. We have goals for what we wanna see happen as we graduate college, as we enter the workforce. We have all sorts of goals. But there's, there's a flip side to this. At, at times, a secondary goal can become a primary goal. At times, a goal, maybe even a good idea, can become all-consuming. Maybe the career right now that you want is the end goal, and man, you, you go for it at all costs. You get the right amount of money that you want, but you spend all your time at work to the neglect of family, to friends, to the neglect of your own soul. See, our, our goals can have a dark side to them if we're not careful. See, Paul this morning, he's not gonna condemn secondary goals. He's not gonna condemn things that we would call maybe personal or professional growth. But Paul's gonna reorient us a little bit. He's gonna remind us that, man, as believers, what the primary goal should be. It's so a central this morning, I'm gonna make it very simple. Our big idea this morning, the goal is Jesus. The goal is Jesus. The goal is always to know Jesus more fully. If you've trusted Christ, the goal is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. If you've not yet made that first step, man, Jesus wants to know you. The goal is Jesus. And so Paul writes to us in Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12, we're gonna look at about four or five verses this morning. Paul writes to us, and he's gonna talk to us about this goal of knowing Jesus, of pursuing the call that he has on our lives. Because again, as Christ followers, we're, we're allowed to have secondary goals, but this, this is the primary goal. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So let's stop there for a moment. You'll notice in these three verses, Paul says twice that he's moving towards the goal. Okay, the goal is to know Jesus. The goal is to fully follow Jesus. The goal is to pursue Jesus' call on our lives. Paul says it twice in these two verses. I, I find it fascinating. Here is this man who is probably like the greatest missionary ever. 
He travels the world. He preaches the gospel. He plants churches. And here's a guy who's sitting in prison, not throwing a pity party, not looking down on himself, but using this as an opportunity for the gospel. And, and he says, man, I look forward, I reach forward to the goal. See, he's a man that we would say is a spiritual leader who's spiritually mature, and yet he even recognizes, man, the goal is still Jesus. The goal is to still know Jesus. And Paul says it in verse 12, that he makes every effort to take hold of it. But starting in verse 13, he's gonna, he's gonna say two things that are really practical in how we move toward Jesus this morning. So in verse 13, you might even have this verse recognized. There's one phrase that he says, but one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. See, let's, let's dive into that phrase, forgetting what lies behind there was actually a lot that Paul could have looked back to, both positive and negative. There was a lot that Paul could have looked back to and maybe hung his hat on. There was a lot that Paul could have looked back to and maybe had some shame, some regret about. But yet Paul encourages us that we are to forget what lies behind. See, if you were with us last week, Pastor Gilmer started us in chapter three. And if you start looking around verse four and five, Paul starts to list, Paul starts to list his accomplishments. He, he starts to list his accomplishments. He starts to list everything that he had achieved before he met Christ. See, here are some of the things that he says. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. See, you could sum it all up and Paul could say, listen, I was a well-educated man. I was a leader. People knew me. I had status. I knew what I was doing. People followed me. And Paul says that to really say, man, but it didn't really amount to much. See, right now, we, we can know a lot of facts and a lot of figures. We can know a lot of things. We can even know a lot about Jesus and yet not truly follow him. And so that's what Paul's first challenge for us today. We are to forget what lies behind. See, there's a lot of positive that Paul had. There are a lot of accomplishments that he achieved. He had status, and yet he tells us to forget what lies behind. See, Paul had some positive in the past, Paul also had some negative. The verses we just reviewed, Paul talks about his persecution of the church. I can imagine there was some deep regret. There was some deep shame. Maybe for some of us this morning, as we hear the phrase, forget what lies behind, a conversation, words we wish we had back immediately came to the forefront. A decision we made that maybe in the moment we even knew it wasn't the right decision, came to the forefront. Maybe it was a relationship that, that we knew while we were in it, it wasn't the best thing. And when it ended, there was heartbreak, there was devastation, and we just continue to look back 
with shame, with, with, with regret. See, for some of us, forgetting what lies behind is not trusting in our own works, but maybe for some of us, forgetting what lies behind is not focusing so much on our past, not focusing so much on our shame and our regret, not focusing so much on the things we wish we could have back, but looking to Jesus in all of it. See, this morning, I, I think of it like this. Uh, most of us have a room in our house, I am convinced, that looks like the picture you're about to see on our screen. You have a basement, an office basement. Some of you are already laughing, okay. Uh, most of us have a room in our house that looks something like this. As Jess and I prepare to move, one comment that we have said to each other a lot is like, oh my gosh, how do we have so much stuff? Can we get rid of some of it? Can we throw some of it away? Can we make some money off of some of it? How do we have so much stuff? We have a box in our house, okay? We have a box in our house that I am convinced has not been opened. It was packed in Connecticut four plus years ago, made a move down to an apartment in New Jersey, down to a house in New Jersey. It still has not been opened. You may judge, you guys probably have that box too. I believe it, okay? Most of us have a space in our house that looks something like this. Now think of it this way. I'm convinced that for some of us, at times, our lives kind of look like this. Certain things are just allowed to exist. Okay, certain things are allowed to exist. Maybe there's conflict, marital conflict, relational conflict, work conflict, church conflict. There's some kind of conflict. It's just allowed to exist. It's just there. It's never dealt with. And bitterness starts to develop. Maybe there's sin that you committed. There was sin that was committed against you. There are areas in our life that get very cluttered. Things are just allowed to exist. And we might think, man, it can just stay there. But often the default when something goes wrong, when we're struggling, this will rear its head. We'll, we'll start to think back to that. See, Paul says something that's really simple to read, but I would say in reality, it's pretty hard to execute. To forget what lies behind. To not, not focus on our own works, on our accomplishments. To not focus on maybe some of the wrong things that happened to us or the wrong things that we did. Paul tells us to forget what lies behind, but it doesn't just stay there. It says, forgetting what is behind, and here's the second part, reaching forward to what is ahead. See, maybe for some of us right now, we have tried hard to forget our past. We have tried hard not to live in shame. We have tried hard not to live with regret. But the one thing that we've missed is, man, we're not looking to anything. And Paul says this, looking forward to what is ahead. That's Jesus. See, Central, a point I have for you this morning, what are you pursuing? What are you moving toward? See, you can try and move away from something. You can try and, you know, maybe get away from something, not think about something, but what are you moving toward? See, if it's Jesus, you'll channel your energy and your time around that. If it's anything else, you might default to some old behaviors. You might find yourself in some old bad habits. 
You might develop some bitterness as you think about a person. If it's anything other than Jesus, that becomes the center. You're following that and not Jesus. See, what if the goal was not wondering about how the past could be different? What if the goal was about experiencing abundant life with Jesus now? See, I love that last song that we sang that, uh, man, just really just told us about the gospel message. See, we believe as, as followers of Jesus that because of what Jesus has done, because he's died for our sin, because he rose again, that our eternal standing with God changes forever. That one day, like that song talked about, Jesus will return, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. No tears will be shed, there will be no sorrow. Here's what we miss sometimes. Jesus actually offers us an abundant life right now. Right now, we don't have to wish for it someday. And I wanna clarify, he doesn't offer us a perfect life, but he offers us an abundant life. He offers us life with him. See, what if the goal was not wondering about how the past could be different? What if the goal was about experiencing abundant life with Jesus and having his spirit live through you? See, someone put it this way, and I, I don't remember who said it. It says, your past can be an anchor that weighs you down, or it can be a rudder that steers and guides you. Think of a ship. Your past can be an anchor that weighs you down, or it can be a rudder that steers and guides you. I worked with someone in ministry years ago. Um, we, we served on a team together, and he was sharing with a group of students um, just his story, just his background, and um, his background included his parents divorcing at a, at a very early age. And he said, you know, I, I remember at probably around the age of five or six, seeing my dad's car drive off and wondering if that was the last time. He would say, you know, there are even moments where if I pull into the grocery store and I see a similar car, I kind of go back to that day. I think about it. He even mentioned, man, I had a lot of anger. Through my high school years, through my college years, I had a lot of anger. And then he said this, he's like, but I came to a point where I had to decide would someone else's decisions impact the way that I was going to live? See, for my friend Aaron, he is able to articulate a moment where he was gonna do his best to forget what lied behind and where he was going to move forward towards Jesus. He, he could articulate a moment where Jesus stepped in and not that, man, there were moments where he still thought about it, not where there were moments where he was still sad about it, but he could articulate a moment where healing started to take place because he let Jesus step in. Central, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe there's something you've got going on and you just need to let Jesus step in. It might not be immediate, it might be a process, but to move towards Jesus, it's to really forget about what's behind us and reach forward and move toward Jesus. See, the goal is always Jesus. No matter if you've been a follower of Jesus 30 years, 30 minutes, the goal is always to move towards Jesus. See, Paul continues in verse 15. He says, 
Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. See, commentators go back and forth on, on verses five, 15 and 16, and um, there's a phrase, let all of us who are mature think this way. Paul is referring back to what he's been talking about all of chapter three, which is Jesus. Again, the goal is Jesus. So what Paul is speaking about is that, man, as we mature, as we grow, this goal should really remain the same. It doesn't change based on our age, our stage of life. See, the goal of moving towards Jesus is non-negotiable. It's not part of our life. I would say it's at the center of our lives. It's not, man, in the same category as our finances, family, career, school, all of those kinds of things. See, Jesus is at the center and he impacts every area of our lives. See, we can't say that we follow Jesus and then try to put something in the middle. Jesus is always at the center. He wants to change every aspect of our lives. And Central, this morning, I wanna tell you, mature people move towards Jesus. Mature people, people who are growing in Christ are always moving or desiring to move towards Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, Paul writes this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You see, the old has passed away and the new has come. And man, that's, that's the gospel. That's the impact of the gospel. We're new creatures, new creations. God starts to get in our lives and things start to change. And maybe for some of you, you would say, man, I'm experiencing that. Maybe you've made a decision in the past couple of years and you've seen Jesus change your lives in tangible ways. See, there's an eternal impact like we were talking about, but man, there is a day-to-day -day impact that Jesus has on our lives. He is constantly in the work of changing people. And so I would challenge you with this this morning. Change doesn't come as the result of human hands. It, it comes as the result of Christ. Are there areas of your life right now that you wish there was some change, but maybe you're not seeing change? And man, I would challenge you again, have you let Jesus into that area of your life? There was a popular hymn back in the day called I Surrender All. If you grew up in church, you probably sang it. For some of us, sometimes if we're honest, it would be easier to sing I Surrender Some. Maybe even I Surrender Most, maybe even to say, God, I'll, I'll give you most of what I have. And maybe it looks something like this, Jesus, you can have my family, but man, you can't have my money, or Jesus, you can have my money, but you can't have my sexuality, or Jesus, you can have my sexuality, but don't ask me to serve. Or Jesus, you can have Sunday morning, but don't give me Tuesday or Wednesday night. See, the gospel is radical transformation. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Jesus, he wants our lives. He wants to make us more like himself. See, this takes intentionality. And so this morning, I just wanna ask you, 
what's your plan to grow in Jesus? What is your plan to grow in Jesus? See, um, I had a boss, my first boss in ministry, his name was Dwayne, and Dwayne affectionately had what we called Dwayneisms. There were things that he constantly said to the point that when we knew he was about to say them, there was a little bit of a cringe of like, okay, we know what's coming. Just tell us, just say it. And to Dwayne's credit, all these years later, um, I've got a Dwayneism for you. Dwayne used to say this, failing to plan is planning to fail. Failing to plan is, is planning to fail. And you could say that in any area really of your lives, but man, spiritually, if we don't plan to grow, if we're not intentional about our relationship with God, if we're not intentional about being with his people, it won't just happen. See, failing to plan is planning to fail, and we do this in a variety of ways. Last Sunday, Jess and I took Riley to Sesame Place. So Riley will be two next month, and I will tell you, we had every aspect of that day planned. From the moment I left this church building, I knew what my next like probably six or seven hours, probably down to the minute looked like. I tell young couples that don't have kids, you guys don't understand how much time you have. I don't wanna hear, we don't have any free time. Lies, you have plenty of free time, okay? So we left, we left the building, we went home, we ate lunch, just packed a bag. We drove out to Pennsylvania. We knew the exact time of where to be for the Halloween parade as all the Sesame Street characters came by. We knew the exact time of when to go get pictures with Elmo. There was a moment where despite there being a line and clear boundaries, Riley just ran and we were just chasing her. And I would love to tell you that I have video of it and thank God we don't, you would laugh at me. We corral her in, she gets to meet Elmo. The joy on her face of getting to meet a real life Elmo right in front of her that she could reach out and touch was incredible. However, as you know, one family goes in, one family goes out, one family goes in. Um, we knew that our time was up we saw the continued joy on Riley's face. Jess and I exchanged the look and without even having to communicate it, it's basically like we were saying, okay, so which one of us is gonna tell her that we have to go home now? It's not really like a rock, paper, scissors situation. I thought it could be. Um, what we also don't have video of is us basically corralling her, trying to get her back in her stroller, trying to get to the parking lot as we were leaving. And I would say outside of that brief moment, man, it was a great day. We sent pictures afterwards to some families and friends and I just thought, man, we were so intentional about a trip to Sesame Place for our daughter. We were so intentional. For some of you, you're intentional about a lot of things. Maybe you, you budget your money really carefully so you can spend on some things you want. I would imagine there are even some of you that summer 2023, you have that vacation planned already. You've thought through it. You know how you're going to get there, how much money you will spend, who's invited, who's not invited. Like you understand all of those things. There's an intentionality that you put forth towards it. Yeah, sometimes spiritually, we, we 
we act as if things will just happen. We're intentional in other areas of our lives, but man, the one area where we probably should be most intentional, we, we neglect that intentionality. See, mature people understand, people are growing in Jesus, that there's always a need to keep maturing. See, I actually think the phrase spiritual maturity is kind of like an oxymoron. In a lot of ways, we are not completely spiritually mature until eternity. We're always growing in something. We're always moving towards Jesus in something. See, there's always that. Man, spiritual warfare is a real thing. And I would suggest to you this morning, it's probably why we need to be intentional because we have an adversary, we have an enemy. We have someone who's against us. See, maybe you've, maybe you've been in this category. In a couple months, life groups will start up in January. And maybe for years you've said, you know what? I really need to make the commitment to be in a life group, to be in community with other believers, to be encouraged by them, to encourage them, to grow in God's word together, to experience life together. Maybe that's you. But maybe every time like the signups come up, excuses start to pop up. But man, what if I get there and I share that and I'm open with people and they don't receive it that well? What if I don't connect with the people in the group? What if it's a study I don't wanna do? What if it's not something I enjoy? I promise you Central, that morning, this morning, that's spiritual warfare. That's the enemy creating some doubt. Maybe you know you should be serving. You've been asked to serve and you start to think things like, man, what if I'm not qualified? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't really have it all together? That's spiritual warfare. Uh, maybe you've been saying, man, I would love to hop on a Bible plan. I would love to know God more through his word. And again, the doubt starts to creep in. See, intentionality helps us to move towards Jesus even in the seasons where maybe we're not feeling it. See, mature people realize they need to keep maturing. And maybe for some, some of us, there's something that always gets in the way. There's something, some sin, some struggle that always gets in the way. See, I, I know a man in ministry. He is... I'm gonna say probably 35 to 40 years sober. There was a season of his life where alcohol was just a real issue. The abuse of alcohol was just a real issue. There were some destructive things that happened and um, man, by God's grace, Jesus found him. And he can now say that, man, 35 to 40 years, he's been sober. He has a practice in his life. If he's traveling somewhere for vacation, to speak somewhere, to do something, when he shows up to a hotel room, if there is alcohol in the fridge, he will go down to the front desk and he'll say, I either need someone to remove this from the fridge or if that's not possible, I need a new room. And I asked him one time, like, man, it's been 35 to 40 years. Why don't you just go in? Why don't you just throw it away? Why don't you just, and he just said to me, Chris, it's been 35 to 40 years, but man, I know what I'm capable of. I know what my shortcomings are. I know the areas in which I'm weak. 
I know the areas in which I struggle. Why would I throw that all away? Why not have some boundaries that will help me be closer to Jesus? Maybe for you right now, you can fill in the category with something. Maybe it's not an addiction. Maybe it's something else. You can fill in the category with something. And to be intentional, to put that boundary in place, man, it's, it's not burdensome. It's not legalism. It's just so you might move closer to Jesus. See, Central, this morning, Paul tells us to move towards the goal. The goal is Jesus. The goal is the call of Jesus on our lives. And I, I wanna ask you this question. Are you moving towards the goal this morning? Are you moving towards the goal this morning? See, no one really stays in neutral. When it comes to Jesus, either we're moving towards him or we're moving away. Either we're moving towards him or we're drifting away from him. And here's the encouragement for you this morning. Maybe you're in a season where you're like, man, I, I felt so close to Jesus at a moment in my life. and It just seems like things are not the same. My desire to be in church is not the same. My desire to read God's word is not the same. My desire to be with other people who follow Jesus is not the same. There's an amazing truth I wanna encourage you with. In James chapter four, verse eight, it says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. When you come to him, he's not going to turn you away. When you open up about that struggle that no one else knows about, he, he's not going to turn you away. When you're honest and just saying, God, I'm struggling, I need help, he's not going to turn you away. See, when we draw close, he gets even closer. When we say, Jesus, help, when we say, Jesus, save me, he gets right in the middle. See, that's the gospel message this morning. In our sin, we were separated from a holy God. There wasn't 10 steps to make ourselves better, five things to make things right. There was one answer, his name is Jesus. And it's because of his sacrifice, it's because of the life that he lived, it's because of the death that he died, it's because he rose again, it's because he sits on the right hand of God, it's because of that, that you can be close to Jesus, that you can move towards Jesus. Central, maybe this morning you find yourself drifting. I wanna encourage you, draw near to God. He wants to be near to you. Maybe this morning you've just never taken that step. You've been in this space and maybe you even know that it's something you should do. I wanna encourage you to start a relationship with Jesus is easy. Bible says we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that he'll save us. It's just you crying out, God save me, and he will. Central, this morning I pray that you're moving towards Jesus wherever you are, however you're doing, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, always move towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful God, this morning for the gospel. God, for the truth that we're sin separated, Jesus steps in. 
God, for the truth that it's not even our works, God, it's nothing that we do. It's everything that you've done for us through Jesus. So God, this morning, help us to move towards Jesus in everything that we do. God, we pray for radical transformation, God, of, of, of families, of lives, God, of everyone who walked in this building, God, of our community. We pray for radical transformation. We pray that the gospel, God, would take root in our lives. Because Jesus, ultimately, this is all for you. God, and we're just here to point people to you. So Jesus, help us to follow you with our hearts, with our lives. We ask all these things in your name.